Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the mental health podcast that's changing the discussion one voice at a time. Featuring guests that will help end the stigma and keep talking mental health. And now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. What up, yo? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I am sorry for that. Be, you should be sorry for that. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Voices for Change 2.0. We are so happy and delighted that you are here with us on whatever the hell day it is in March, April, May. <laughs> April 11th, honey. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so April 11th, apparently. I don't know. This 9,000th day of quarantine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, which, incidentally, the quarantine in Michigan just got extended yesterday. So, uh, you know, stay at home is now till April 30th. Woohoo, my birthday. Um, Yeah, you get to have as much fun on your birthday as I did on mine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, there's that. Oh boy, but uh, no, you know, hope we hope everybody's staying healthy, staying safe, staying inside, you know, not leaving the house unnecessarily. Um, and we hope that your kids aren't driving you completely nuts yet. And uh, I think it's probably too late for that. Yeah, leaving at home for a while. Yeah, yeah, probably have. So. Um, you know, our uh, our our little family is divided in two right now. We actually sent uh our niece and her little one uh somewhere different just because I've got you know I'm I'm still working you know I'm I'm what they deem essential so and there's two two people at your office who well don't let's not talk about that okay um <laughs> but we're uh you know we're not sure about them I'll, we'll we'll say that okay uh <clears throat> so as I cough so anyway, you know, just being safe and, you know, the fact that I'm still having to go to work every day and going into places, even though there's a lot of closures and a lot of layoffs, so I'm not encountering as many people, um, I still thought it'd be prudent to have them uh, stay elsewhere where they can be safe and not have me potentially bring anything home to them. Yeah, and just bring it home to me instead. Well, uh, you know, I'd send you away too, but I can't. Yeah, there's nowhere to send me. <laughs> Nobody will have me. <laughs> I'd have you. I already I'm do. Just kidding. So, but um, yeah. So, and that's that's what we call being safe and being prudent and doing what we're supposed to. You know, uh, just trying really hard to keep everybody as healthy as possible. Um, and it it drives me nuts that there are people that are complaining about it, saying, "Oh, this is authoritarian, and you know they're forcing us to stay home." Well, no, it's it's not that they're forcing you to stay home; it's that they're trying to make sure this mess doesn't spread further than it already has. So, um, sometimes it's called not being selfish and considering the greater good. 
yeah. which I know there are certain elements in this country that have a real hard time with, um, you know, but we, we all have to do what we're doing. It's very stressful. It's every day that you're out working is a stressful day for me. And, you know, I understand why people are, you know, upset about having to, to go through this. But, you know, for some reason, this got dropped in our laps and there's nothing we can do about it. We mm-hmm. just have to try to, you know, do our best to stay healthy and keep others healthy. And, yep. You know, that's all we can do. The one nice side effect that I've been seeing, and I, I, I'm actually really happy about this, is um, the way nature is responding to things. You know, you're seeing stuff like reports like the ozone is healing. And, you know, uh, people in, I think it's in Tibet, are seeing the Himalayas for the first time because there's, the first time in decades because of the pollution cutting down and you know it's pollution cutting down in Los Angeles and elsewhere in the world and you know animals are starting to to come into urban areas again and like I I'm driving to work in the morning and I, I go into work about six o'clock in the morning and without fail every other day I see this herd of deer like a half mile from our house and it's just funny. I got to drive really slow. I don't want to hit anybody. And, you know, but they're just kind of hanging out. Just, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> and it's really cute. And that's kind of a cool thing, seeing what can happen if we pull things back. And, you know, I'd like to see at least some of that continue on after we're finally through this miasma of virus and grossness yeah. and nastiness. That'd be nice. Yeah. Let the earth heal a little bit. So, anyway, uh, that's that's all our coronavirus talk for today. Yeah, that's uh, that's all we're gonna do for that right now. Yeah, because we went on and on and on and about it last week. Yeah, it's getting troublesome now. Yeah. So, but uh, for today, we uh, would like to switch gears and talk about our our lovely guest. Mm -hmm. Um, She is a friend of the show. We've tried to have her on before, and and. I don't recall what the circumstances were as far as why we weren't able to do it, but it probably has something to do with me knowing my luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, honey. Take on the weight of the world on your shoulders. (laughs) It um, might have been a technical glitch. I don't don't remember. Anyway, she's a friend of ours, a very good friend. She's just an absolute sweetheart and very supportive mental health advocate. Uh, I met her on Twitter, as I often meet folks on Twitter. And uh, she's an author and has written one book and is going to be writing a second. So we just would like to welcome to the show Ms. Nita Sweeney. Thank you. It's really great to be here. I'm uh, just honored to be able to talk with you folks today. Well, we're honored to have you with us, Nita. Um, we're sorry for the lack of studio audience, but, you know, <laughs> coronavirus. So, <laughs> but uh, it's well, funny. Dog, now my, it's, dog, my dog is here, so. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, got our the dog watching you. Be popping up somewhere in the background. But, um, yeah, it's kind of weird because now we're kind of on a par with people like uh, 
Jimmy Fallon and uh, Stephen Colbert. I don't know if you've watched any of their shows since they've been on home quarantine, but it's it's weird, you know. I mean, I, kudos to them for doing it, but it's just strange, you know. They're telling jokes and you know. Nobody's laughing. Nobody's laughing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yes, it is. Everything's a little odd right now. It just, uh, yeah, it's a, a strange, strange time. I mean, none of us have ever been through anything like this before. So, yeah, yeah, that's for we're sure. Just doing yeah. our best. We're all doing our best. So, but yeah, those shows yeah. are. I did watch one, and I thought this is just really strange. <laughs> There's no one laughing. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. You know, it, it really is. And they're they're trying their best, and God bless them for it, because uh, it's. You know, we we know we've been doing it for a few years, but to be able to go from being on a stage and having all these people that you're telling jokes to and having guests on to now you have to do it remotely and there's nobody there and you know it, it's got to be odd for them. Well, it's like we we're wrestling fans and mm-hmm. they're even doing it now without fans. They're just just the two wrestlers in the ring or however many the, the match has. And they're, um, you know, preening for the audience and things like that, like they, they usually do. And, and there's it's no kinda, audience. It's kind of ridiculous. You're like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, who are you showing off to? <laughs> there's nobody there. Yeah. So, so that's kind of odd. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're, we're making the best of that and just, Watching a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on rerun. Yeah. So, how are you holding up in all this? I'm actually pretty well considering. I my situation is a little bit different because my husband just got out of the hospital two weeks ago, and so he's requiring a lot of uh, uh, home health care. My my new hashtag on Twitter is accidental home health aid because <laughs> it just was it was very unexpected. Um, he got pneumonia. When we were traveling, I was actually on book tour in the Bay Area, and he had pneumonia. We didn't realize it, and he had a silent heart attack the last night we were there, and then we took him. We knew he was really sick, and we took him right to the ER, and they diagnosed a triple vessel disease, artery disease. And wow. so then they sent him home for a couple of weeks to have surgery, to get better to have surgery, and he had, he had open-heart surgery the 13th, which the heart part of it went really well. But they're not sure why. Um, after they took him off the ventilator, he can't swallow properly, and he's aspirating, so he's on a feeding tube. And uh, they spent—he was in the hospital another two weeks trying to figure that out. They never did figure it out, so he's home on a feeding tube, and um, you know, very compromised state, and requiring a lot of care. So we have a—you know—we have a home health agency, but um, so I went from this kind of very busy author going to events, which of course you can't do now, but also spending right. a lot of time on social media um, promoting the the current book and then the book that's coming out in June um, to, you know, s- filling syringes with medicine and all these kinds of things that you just don't think. I mean, I have no training. I'm a, a lawyer and a journalist and a writer. I don't have any training in this, but they've helped me out. And um, so it's kind of strange because we are almost like in this little weird bubble where everybody else is mm-hmm. talking about the places they can't go. Well, we, we can't go anyway because I, I really can't leave him for more than about maybe an hour, maybe two hours at most. So I wouldn't be going anywhere anyway. Anything we were going to yeah. do is canceled. 
So it's, it's sort of a little weird. Um, we hear other people's laments, understand them, but can't really relate in the same way. So in some ways, it's really uh, distracted me from my normal level of anxiety. It's a different <laughs> anxiety, but uh, <laughs> but it's just a little, you know, yeah. it's a little odd. So um, we're just a, in that kind of place right now. But uh, but we're really doing well. I mean, both of us have 30 years of meditation but track, uh, practice, you know, underneath our belts. And I exercise, of course, that's what my book's about, exercise for mental health. And uh, we have mm. great supportive communities. So we're really, I mean, considering everything, we really are faring pretty well. I hear other people really struggling, and I worry that they don't have the kind of support that we have. And I feel very grateful for, for that. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we hope that he feels better soon. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's uh, <clears throat> definitely a lot to go through, uh, especially in a short period of time. Um, you know, the, the pneumonia is scary. Uh, the heart attack is even scarier. Uh, you know, witnessing my dad go through two of them in my lifetime, that was, uh, oh. that was rough. So, you know, my, my heart goes out to you for sure. And, uh, especially to him. And uh, yeah, you give know, him our best. Yeah, please, please give him, give him our best. Yeah, he's a, uh, we'll, he's a we'll sleep in the recliner. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I should be asleep. I should be asleep in a recliner, but we would need to get a recliner first. So, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> um, so we usually start off our interrogation uh, show with. Um, <laughs> Uh, one particular question, and we're going to ask that question of you, and then we'll dissect things from there. And that question is, where does your mental health journey begin? I would have to say it began in childhood. I was always kind of the um, put-on-a-happy-face child who had this sad undertone. And I was always the, I'm the youngest of three um, by many years. My sister's eight years older than me and my brother's 10 years older. So I was kind of almost an only child once they got older. And, but I always felt this sort of melancholy. And I think now I may have even been depressed then, but you know, it was before the days where they really diagnosed any of that. Excuse me. I'm going to clear my throat and I'm not coughing. Hang on one second. <laughs> there I go. No problem. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, um, so yeah, I think it began then and um, just a whole cycle of once I got old enough to have, you know, dating and relationships and things like that, where I just couldn't maintain um, either relationships or I couldn't maintain, I mean, I did maintain jobs, but I, I just couldn't like finish projects and all this lack of concentration and low energy. And then I would have these periods where I would just pull out all the stops and I wasn't quite up all night. I would have what I now believe is hypomania and I would get mm-hmm. stuff done. At, you know, the, it's due at midnight. I get it done at 11:59:59, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, in hindsight, I think I've had those cycles most of my life and it wasn't until I was in really my um, my 30s I had a um, um, you know, major depressive episode, nervous breakdown, whatever you want to want to call it. I had been practicing law for almost 10 years, so I was able to go through college, um, go to law school, do all that, and and that's when 
sort of the pieces started to fit together that, oh, this is why I've been struggling all these years. I've not, you know, had, I've had a therapy, but I, nobody suggested putting me on medication. And I was, I was scared of it at then. That would have been the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what that meant. You know what we heard about mother's little helper and things like that. And I knew I couldn't, or I was concerned about ending up on something that I would get addicted to or that would impair me. So um, if they suggested it, I'm sure I was resistant. And then finally, when you end up in the psych ward, you don't have a lot of choice or you think, oh, gosh, this is not exactly how this should be going. And I yeah. came really, really close. To, I came very, very close to suicide. I um, had a plan and I was getting ready to carry it out. And, the, and um, it was very strange because I don't, I don't think this happens often, but I was in um, the family room, you know, planning this all kind of out and the phone rang. And I had been late to a therapy appointment, and they called to find out, you know, where I was, did I want to reschedule, and I answered the phone and just told them the truth. And so I just went in, and they um, sent me right to the hospital. So that's kind of where the, the my realization of it began. That would have been in 1994, where I realized this, this is not just me being lazy. This is not mm-hmm. um, me you know, wanting to be different. This is not, this is a disease. And, and that's where it really began for me. The understanding of it. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> I think that's something that we all kind of reach a point on, you know, to some degree or another, you know, when, when we're battling, you know, depression and bipolar disorder, that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, good on you that you you were finally able to you know start putting the pieces together on that you know and and take steps to to get you know healthier Mm -hmm. yeah I had a lot of help I was very fortunate because I was a partner in this small law firm so I had really really good health insurance and because of that I was able to get the care I needed Um, that's one of my big concerns now is I watch people fall through the cracks because they don't have insurance or their insurance limits their providers or the medications they can take. And I just feel very grateful that I've been able to have um, those resources because, you know, just a lot of people don't. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've been through both. Yeah. Both phases Mm -hmm. where I didn't have mental health coverage and I had to go through the county and it was not always a good experience to where, you know, I now have coverage through Joe's work and, you know, we're really, really grateful for it because it's allowed me to finally find a a doctor that, you know, I am very grateful for. She's, she's wonderful. She's, very, very caring and helpful and compassionate. Yeah. Ever just everything I've always looked for in a doctor. So, you know, it took me 30 years to find her, <laughs> but you know, yeah, that, I finally did. So that makes such a difference. I, I actually talk about um, both my psychiatrist and my therapist a little bit in the book because once I started running, that's kind of what my story is about, is um, being on many, many medications for many years. And there were several not mental health doctors that told me I shouldn't be running at my weight or I shouldn't be running at my age or 
I have this wonky ankle. You shouldn't be running on that. Meanwhile, my therapist and my psychiatrist sort of said, I don't know what you're doing, but you really need to continue because this is the yeah. best we've seen you in 15 years. And, um, um, and I think that's a hard, you know, that's, it's so hard. I mean, I've been through um, many therapists and especially many psychiatrists. I went through a lot of psychiatrists to find um, one that didn't over prescribe, but yet helped me find the right regimen that worked for me. And it's, I don't think it's a perfect science. I think there's a lot of trial and error in it. Um, but again, I, mm-hmm. like you, um, I, it took me, I feel like I, it took me many, many years, maybe 20, 25 years to find the right um, fit. And now my therapist is retiring and I just want to, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that she's going to get to retire, but oh dear, I'm sad about that. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a bittersweet situation there. Yeah. You know, you're happy for him, but it's like, oh, well, now what do I do kind of thing. Um <clears throat> So speaking of your book, uh, your first book was published last year. Uh, what is it called, and how did you come about writing it? Well, the title is kind of a slogan or a motto I've said for many years, and the title is Depression Hates a Moving Target. And the hmm. subtitle is How Running With My Dog Brought Me Back From the Brink, and that's why I wrote the book. So. I have a lot of other friends who are challenged with anxiety, depression, things like that. And we take care of each other over the phone sometimes where someone will call me at two in the afternoon and say, Oh man, Nita, I just can't get out of bed. And I might say something like, well, you remember depression hates a moving target. Why don't you just get out of bed and then call me back? Or they'll do the same thing for me. I'll, I'll call one of them and say, Oh, I just, you know, just have, I can't get out of the house today. I can't get off the sofa. Uh, one of them might say, well, remember, depression hates a moving target. Just get up. Just get moving. So that title seemed like it captured something much larger even that, than the running. And how I, um, came to, how I came to write the book, I mean, I've been writing for many, many years. I actually have written first drafts or various stages of drafts of about 10 books. Um, some of them are memoirs. Some of them are really bad novels. You know, I have a romance novel that I hope never sees the light of day, you know, things like that. <laughs> but, um, um, and so um, I had another book about the last year my dad was alive that I really tried to market and I had taken it. I was in, I went to MFA school, got my master in fine arts and creative writing. And I took that book through that process and really tried to publish that. And I just, just wasn't able to, but with this, once I started running, so how, let me back up a minute. I started running. Um, I'd gone through a, a really, really bad episode in 2007. Um, seven people, five family members, two friends, and a cat all died in a 12-month period, including Jeez. my niece, my niece who was 24, and my mother. Shoot, my mother was the mm. last one. And it sent mm. me into the worst spiral I'd been in since 1993. I mean, I'd been, you know, up and down, up and down, but it, it just sent me into this dark, dark place. And one day I was, it was, you know, I was early into Facebook, but I was on Facebook and a high school friend posted, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I had to read what she read two or three times because I thought, wait a minute, she's my age. She's at least as big as I am because I, you know, I, I, um, 
had gained a lot of weight over the years between the meds and just eating for comfort. And, mm-hmm. but no, she had started running. And so it, I didn't look into it right away. I kind of followed her for a while. And then one day it was actually in March when kind of spring in central Ohio had started to appear. So the little crocuses were coming up, the snowdrops, the little tiny little flowers that come up and something about that. The only way to say it is the only way I can think of it is that it's like suddenly I decided I was either going to live or I was not. That's where I was. I was like at the jumping off place where I was either going to live or I was not. And so I went to that website that she had said it was called Couch to 5K, um, but it could be any interval training plan. And it said 60 seconds of jogging. And I thought, okay, 60 seconds. I think I can do that. And so I took my little digital plastic kitchen timer not the ones that tick, <laughs> the digital one. Um, yeah. And I leashed up the dog because I, I, I wanted people to think I was just walking the dog. I didn't want them to think I was actually trying to jog. And we went down in this little hidden ravine very close to our house, and I set that timer. It took me a few minutes to actually get the nerve up to hit the timer and try it. And I jogged for 60 seconds. And that began um, like an upward spiral where hmm. I built on that, that 60 seconds. And then the, the plan is you're actually doing a workout for 20 minutes where you walk for five minutes and then you jog for 60 seconds and then walk for, I think it's 90 seconds, but you alternate that for like 10 minutes and then you walk again for five minutes. So I, I did that 20 minute um, exercise and I was tired. I needed a nap afterwards, but I felt like I had done something and physically I felt, you know, that little bit of when you raise your heart rate a little bit, not from anxiety, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, you know, there's a, like a boost that physically, that, and, and whether it's endorphins or endocannabinoids, um, and I felt that rush, and that began. So that's kind of where it all started. And then what happened was as I continued that training plan, people began to notice. I didn't really, I mean, I knew I felt better, but other people started asking me the weirdest questions. They would ask, did you get your hair cut? Did you get new glasses? I mean, it was the strangest thing. They couldn't tell because physically it took a little while before I actually lost weight, and I did. But they knew to notice something. There was something different in your eyes. And um, I didn't even tell my husband or anybody, my friends, my sister, anybody, my doctors, uh, for about a month, I think, before I – because I was so afraid it would be just like the mini trampoline in the basement or just like, you know, the jump rope that's hanging in the closet or just like all the other things I had tried, the, um, you know, the self-help book about positive thinking or the um, fish oil regimen or the, you know, vegan diet, all the time. We tried everything. And um, so I was so afraid that I would be, I didn't want anybody else to get their hopes up. And I knew I didn't want to get my own hopes up. So um, eventually I, I did tell my husband and, um, some of my friends and, and then I just kept continuing. So that, you know, that's a whole long story how that, um, how that went, but, uh, that was in 2010 and it's 2020 and I'm still running and I have run three full marathons, 27 half marathons in 18 States and more than a hundred shorter races because I never do anything halfway. Once I'm in, <laughs> I'm kind of like all in. So, um, no, wow, bipolar for the awesome. win. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's how it that's but that's how I got to write that book. Wow. 
that's that's inspirational. Yeah, it really. Yeah, you know, you, you're telling your story, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I could I could do that. <clears throat> you know. Yeah, it, really, you could actually. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm in a group. Um, now I'm in a group of runners who, um, you know, every season these new people who've never run hardly at all or even ever join us and you know we start with them with running 5k's and then eventually they're running half marathons and they're you know they're like I've never thought I could do this and especially people in their you know 40s 50s and we have a a woman in her 70s who's well actually one of my friends I think she's she's 70 and she just did her like 20th half marathon or something so you know it's kind of amazing yeah I'm getting tired just thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry and and let me just say because sometimes this question doesn't get asked i'm not saying that everyone should become a runner my what has happened as a result of the book coming out is i've become you know i always talk about accidental but i've become an accidental mental health advocate because i didn't you know i just wanted to publish a book because that's what i do i'm a writer and what i realize is that any form of movement walk around the block stretching doing some yoga especially if you can just get your heart rate up even a little bit, has amazing mental health properties, um, benefits. And so now, you know, I'm not, I mean, I love, I would love if the entire world was run, was running, although kind of now it is. I don't know if you guys have noticed any of that, but there's people up yeah. and down my, running up and down my street. I'm thinking, wait a minute, they never, I, I've lived here 20 years. I've never seen that person running. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> but any kind of movement, just, you know, um, very simple um movement of any kind can be beneficial. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to take this opportunity to take a break. Um, So you stay on the line with us and everybody else stay tuned. We're going to be listening to the song for you by Brandon Stansel. And we'll see you guys on the other side. Nice. Thank you. Turn in the quick, then I can't run It's gonna be alright It's gonna be alright I push and pull with all my might But it feels like it's not enough It's gonna be alright You make me feel alright In moments and seasons We're caught in the deep end, yeah I need a hand to hold me Love me like you know me When it's hard, just breathing You keep my You. you got me finally feeling emotion. 
seats rising off the ground We ain't coming down, we're reckless abandoned No sign of landing So high up, yeah, we're touching clouds Never coming down, just you and me, darling My kind of falling You got me finally feeling emotion Lost in the moment, don't know where it's Welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. The cute little ray of sunshine sitting next to me is Rebecca, um, my wife of almost 19 years. Yep. Yep. How she's not gotten sick of me, especially with the quarantining going on, I, I don't know. <laughs> and online we have the the beautiful, lovely, and talented Miss Nina Sweeney. How's it going, Nina? It's going well. Thank you. <clears throat> Happy to be here. Yay, we're happy to have you. And you know, I don't I know we were supposed to have you on before and I don't remember why we didn't, if it was a technical glitch or something, but I'm happy that we've got you here today and talk about uh running and mental health. Mental health and stuff. All that good stuff. All so, that good stuff. So Nina, what made the you dogs. come forward? Yeah, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> what made dogs. you decide to come forward with your story? When, um, like I mentioned before, other people started to see the change before I did. And after I'd run my first half marathon, and I'm, I'm a writer. I mean, that's my mindset is always, you know, what's the story? What's the story? What's the story? I thought, oh, this is interesting. I could write a story about this, you know, almost 50-ish middle-aged woman who takes up running and loses weight and you know, finds a different set of friends with these runners and things like that. And so that's actually the first story I started to write was kind of a middle-aged woman takes up running story. And then as time went on and I continued running and eventually I ran a full marathon, I, you know, put it all down and then I started to edit it and realized that the story was not about a woman who takes up running but the story was about a woman who was trying to save her life because hmm. that's what happened. I was able to reduce the number of medications I was on with, with my doctor's permission. We worked on that. Well, what happened is I started getting side effects from medications that I'd never had. And she said, that means, you know, you need to reduce the dosage. The high, the dose you're on is too high, which that was the dose hmm. I was on, you know, for a long time. Um, and, I was able to fin- start finishing some of the projects that I had been unable to finish. And 
So that clicked with me that that's the story. Um, it took many versions of editing before I realized that, but you know, I'm sort of always writing. And so it's not like I woke up one day and said, oh, hey, I'm going to write a book. I mean, I've been writing. I mean, even when I was a lawyer, that's what I did mostly. I did like all the writing for the firm. And, mm. but, but the, the, the problem with the, um, with writing a book is that there's always like the situation. So the facts of, okay, woman starts running, loses weight, you know, gets happy, whatever. <laughs> it's not quite like that. But, um, <laughs> but there's the story that's like, what's the point? Why is this important? And for me, mm-hmm. figuring that out, that's what, what the gel was that held, felt like it held the book together was, oh, wait, this is about my mental health. And so um, I had not been as public about my bipolar disorder or my even chronic depression. I wouldn't talk about it. I have, I've been um, publishing a monthly newsletter for Central Ohio writers called Right Now Columbus since uh, 2003, I think, so about 17 years. And I would mm-hmm. talk you know, somewhat about that. But I wasn't quite as open, and um, a good friend of mine said that she preferred the posts, the blog posts and the essays, that where I was more authentic, where I talked about the struggles, where I talked about the reality. And so when it was time to actually try to, you know, get this story down, I I really was much more forthcoming because I realized that that's what people resonated with. And what was interesting is about the same time. So it would have been when I started writing this was maybe um, um, you know 2006 2000 or no I'm sorry 2011 2012 so about that time um, the um, the whole kind of mental health awareness started to come up and I was noticing more people actually talking about it and and I thought okay why not I mean what 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 do I have to lose here it's not like I'm you know it's not like I'm the kind of person who has a day job that they are supporting their family with that. Um, you know, they might lose if because of the stigma. And, and mm-hmm. I thought, here's an opportunity for me to reduce that stigma. Here's an opportunity for me to say, I'm one too. Um, you know, this is me. This is who I actually am. The person that you have known for all these years has been struggling with this. And so I was right. hoping that I would help other people. I mean, that's, that wasn't my first goal. My, I'm, I tend to have very self, I mean, you could say self-centered, but they're very internal motives first. And then it went out, and I realized this is this is about more than me. This is about um, helping other people. So. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. It's it's something when you when you and, and I think it really needs to be a personal thing to start with, regardless of what you're writing, if it's a memoir or uh, you know how to book how to book or you know whatever you know. The the impetus has to has to come from a personal place, and you know that you're doing it for you. And then as you go along, you discover, you know what, this will be beneficial to other people. Um, <clears throat> you start getting feedback from other people and realizing that your writing is resonating with them. And before you know it, you're like, you know what, I'm doing this to help other people. You know. Yeah, that's how it went with me. Yeah. You know, I started out as. My with my blog as as a way of kind of purging all the destructive thoughts and feelings that I had, and once people started to you know respond to it, it it became more of you know 
it, it was still helping me, but it had became the, the additional benefit of helping others as well. Yeah. I think, I think um, because I have chronic depression, sometimes I forget that I can help other people. It takes mm-hmm. so much energy sometimes to just manage my own life that it, mm-hmm. it's almost scary to reach out and try to help somebody else as if that will deplete me or exhaust me. And what I'm seeing is that I still need a lot of self-care. I mean, I will always need a person who needs a lot of self-care because of my conditions. But there are plenty of days where reaching out to help someone else can feed me in a way that other forms of self-care can't. So I'm I'm trying to find the balance there because I think, I mean, I, I have seen other people go too far where they're totally about helping other people and their own house you know, goes down the down the tubes because they're not doing right. the self care. It's too, it's almost like codependency or something. Um, so mm-hmm. so I'm trying to maintain that balance. But but I've really found it gratifying when you know people will email me or I'll be on a show and somebody will comment about how I've touched them in some way. I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier. There was one um, woman who who um, commented on I forget which social media channel about her son, how he saw her reading the book and he started talking about his own, what he called his sadness. And she didn't, Hmm. I mean, she didn't realize that. And he'd actually like then flipping through the book when she wasn't looking and uh, it opened up a whole conversation with their family and he ended up getting help. I mean, I just couldn't even, that just brought me to tears because she didn't really know. She was reading this book because she's a runner and she's had depression and, you know, go figure that her kid would also have depression. But, um, but I mean, talk about something that felt like I touched a life. That was just, um, so when I get those kinds of things, it's just this, I get, you know, it's again, back to me, 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 but I get this uh, positive feeling like, okay, I am doing the right thing here. This is the thing I need to do. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good feeling, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that, you know, what you put out there is helped another person has opened up a, a dialogue on something. Uh, it's just, it's, you can't, you can't quantify that. You know, no. it's just, you, you can't put a, a price on it. You can't put a value. Um, it's just, it's, it's, there are some things that are beyond that. You yeah. know, you always hear everybody's got a price and, you know, different ridiculous cynical things like that, but there are some things that you can't, that you really can't. And getting that good feeling uh, from knowing that you've you've helped somebody, uh, that just that's the best. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. you've also like. got um, another that's that's uh, in the process of coming out. Would you um, talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. My um, the, she was the acquisitions editor at the time, but now she's the associate publisher at Mango um, Publishing, Brenda Knight, and I co-authored a writing journal called mm-hmm. You Should Be Writing, um, Inspiration and Instruction to Keep Your Hand Moving, um, Keep Your Pen Moving, I mean, sorry. And <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that because it's it's just a book of blank pages, but we selected some of our favorite author quotes. And then the left-hand pages are author quotes that are inspirational, and the right-hand pages are more instructive. 
and it's separated into chapters. I'm kind of using air quotes there by theme. Um, so one is writing as medicine. Another one is learning from the masters. Um, uh, different chapters by kind of topic of what the quotes are about. And then just these blank pages. And I have written at the beginning of each chapter, I wrote these little, I'm calling them micro essays. So they're just, they might be like four or five sentences that just talk about what the, the chapter's about. So they kind of introduce what the quotes are about in each um, section. And then um, there's a foreword that's inspirational, and then I wrote a little introduction um, to just try to pe get people moving, um, get their pens moving. And uh, we hope it's just a creative journal that people can use whatever way they want. I mean, I, I always talk about, like, kind of three ways that people work. I'm a very gut person, and so, mm -hmm. you know, for me, uh, I would use a journal like that to just pour everything out. Um, whereas someone who's more methodical and more of a brain person might write their outline in a book like that or sketch their characters and more of a heart centered person, you know, might write more about their feelings or about, um, how, what they're going to write is going to help the world, things like that, or how they might need help. And, um, and so we, we made it very, um, open so that it, pretty much anybody who has any kind of, uh, approach to the writing process or just journaling. It doesn't have to be a writer can use that, um, uh, this book. And it's going to be, um, has graphics inside. So it has, you know, kind of a nice little border on each page. So it's very attractive. And, um, hmm. and it's already available on, um, the mango website and also on Amazon. Uh, it's up for pre-order. I think it's up on Barnes and Noble also. Um, I have to check that, but, um, pretty much anywhere we always say we could, it can be found anywhere fine books are sold. So, um, <laughs> you know, even a local <laughs> bookstore, your indie bookstore, we really want to plug the indie bookstores. Um, if you ask them about it, they probably can order it. And again, it's pre-order, so it wouldn't come out till June, but I posted yesterday on Twitter. I said, you know, order it now. And if you're like me, you'll forget that you have ordered it and it'll be a nice surprise when it comes in the middle of June. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'm pretty excited. It was fun working. I mean, it's been, I've, I've had such a great experience with mango um, as an author and to work with one of their, you know, high level uh, people on an actual project was just really, really lovely. So, um, so yeah, that's where we go next. I'm, like I said, I'm kind of first and foremost a writer. So to have that and uh, you know, I have a couple other things I'm, uh, projects that I'm that are kind of out there like I, I, I will write I mean I have a, a writing book about you know a book of actual chapters about the writing process that's kind of in the works but um, but that's a ways off and then I have written a book of daily meditations about staying in the moment which has been my survival skill for uh, dealing with my husband dealing with the you know the, the stay-at-home orders all that kind of stuff and so um, that's I'm not sure which of those two books will, will be after the writing journal, but um, those two are, um, are kind of on the future horizon. So, And then someday, maybe, the bad novel about the unicorn barista that's trying to save the planet. So, but not, <laughs> not today. Not today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, when, you're, when you're ready to put that one out, you come right back here to the show and promote it. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but the the other two that you have down the road, we you know when those are out, definitely come back and and uh, we'll get the word out on those too. Because um, great, I appreciate you know, the, Absolutely, absolutely. And 
you know, the, I, I'm actually really intrigued by the the book that's that's uh, coming out for pre-order. Uh, you should be writing. Um, it just sounds really interesting. Sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like, especially with everything that's going on now, who knows where we're going to be come June. And, you know, it's yet another thing, you know, for people to to do. You know, they can read and they can journal in it or write or, you know, anything. And, uh, you know, that that definitely helps. It has um, the little border is kind of like leaves. Or like, the inside, of course, is black and white. Has a color cover, but the, and I was thinking um, that it might be fun to like color in all the leaves. So it, you know, it's like half journal, half coloring book. <laughs> you get really bored. Just get out your crayons and just start coloring in all the little because yeah. it's you know black and white leaves. So, yeah. well, coloring is really popular now. I do it myself. Oh. So. I, it's I find it very therapeutic. I mean, it's just uh, it's hard. Well, unless I'm scrawling, which I sometimes do, but it's hard not to be right where you're at when you're doing pretty much any kind of art, um, you know. And so coloring, you know, you're right there with the crayon and the whatever you're drawing or whatever you're actually, you know, filling in those spaces. You're kind of right there, and that that's the best thing for me, especially for anxiety, is to just bring my mind right into the present moment and, um, you know, not go too far in the future, not go too far in the past. We have to make plans, but, you know, I don't have to be mm-hmm. planning all day long. I can just be right here. I'm just sitting here talking to you guys. That's it. Yeah, it's it's hard. You know, being mindful of the present, it, it really is an exercise. You know, uh, I know I struggle with it a lot Mm -hmm. uh and just you know being able to to sit down and appreciate you know in that moment what you're doing what's going on around you um i've been really i've been forcing myself to do that more and it's funny because sometimes you know back and i'll just be you know laying there in bed watching tv or something and i'm just looking at her and she's like why are you looking at me what (laughs) What's what's going on? And I'm like, I'm just looking at you, you know. I just love you, you know. And that's but that's me trying to just appreciate that moment with her, you know. So, um, so tell us about we're, we're we're getting down to the end of the of the wire here, so we're gonna have to wrap up. But talk to us a little bit about your social media and where people can find you if they'd like to chat with you. Well, the first place is always my website, so it's just nitasweeney.com, N-I-T-A-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y.com, and that's all the information is there. But I'm on all the channels. I'm um, pretty heavy on Twitter, which, as Becca mentioned, that's where we met, and I love chatting anything, uh, pretty much mental health, meditation, dogs, running. Those are kind of my big things. Those are the big things I love. I sometimes stray into politics, but I've really been trying to rein myself back because I don't think that's actually productive, and I think it's raising my blood pressure too much. So, so those yeah. are my things. And then, yeah. but I'm on—I have a Facebook author page. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. But really, Twitter and my Facebook author page are the the places I probably spend the most time. Uh, Twitter is probably the best place to have a good conversation with me. Although I'm, you know, any of those channels. Um, 
I can be reached. Um, and my email is also on my website, and I'm um, happy to chat with anybody who has any questions. And also writing. Um, that's actually probably the first thing. But uh, um, So I'm always happy to talk about those things. And I post a lot of pictures of our dog, Scarlett, who has her own hashtag. She is the hashtag 99% good dog. It's no numbers, no dashes, just all spelled out, 99% good dog, <laughs> because she is so bad. So she um, she ate a towel on Tuesday, and oh thankfully, thankfully we discovered it in the yard later. Um, and then last night, she ate the corner off of another towel. She has a thing about washcloths and towels. And then the newspaper, if she can get the newspaper, she just shreds it. So um, oh, she's two and a half, and she's absolutely adorable. And um, I took the, you know, they have the sorting hat test for Hogwarts houses. Yeah. 100% Slytherin. She's 100% Slytherin. I took it for her. And um, <laughs> they have a they have a test for your your pet, and she's 100% Slytherin. So yeah, so uh, so yeah, please follow me on social media. And then my husband has his hashtag, which actually was a result of her hashtag. He's the 100% good husband. Again, all spelled oh. out, no 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 numbers. So um, <laughs> um, which is always you know, it was kind of a joke, but um, uh, but yeah, I love I love engaging with people on social media, especially right now. You know, it's it's just so mm-hmm. good to to connect with people during this very crazy difficult time and um and try to just be right where we're at so um there you go great yeah well thank you so much for taking the time today to to be with us we've really enjoyed chatting with you Mm -hmm. absolutely this has been great I, I so appreciate you inviting me. And I think before um, one time I got sick and had to cancel and then we had some technical difficulties. So it actually didn't go. And I don't know. I don't even remember whose end it was on, but, um, but this time to have it now, I think it's perfect. So I really appreciate yeah. you allowing me to, you know, to come back. So agreed. Oh, it was our pleasure. And yeah. like I said, you know, when you've got the, uh, the other books ready to go and, and you're ready to uh, promote them, we would absolutely love to have you back, Nita. Yep, you know where oh, to find me. Great. Yes, I yeah. do. I love I love connecting <laughs> with you on on Twitter. It's uh, uh, just a such a pleasure. So, well, thank you again, and uh, you know everybody, stay. What is it? The what's the mantra? Uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Stay home. You know. So, yeah. Well, if you can, <laughs> stay I healthy. know you can't, Joe, but yeah, yeah. stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's, face, a, yeah. it's tough, and I've I found one of my biggest hobbies for all this is touching my face. So go figure there. Uh, did, we, did any of us know, did we any have any idea how much we touched our faces? That's been crazy. It, so. It's ridiculous. So, <laughs> well, stay on the line, Nita, and uh, okay, we'll, well. we'll get to say our goodbyes. And for everybody else, uh, you're going to be listening to Living in the Moment by Casey Lansdale. Thanks for tuning in. Next week. Stay healthy. We love you. And uh, have a great weekend. Easy to get off track, easy to lose your way In a world that makes you believe there's no time to waste That you gotta have it all, better have it all, better